right, Brewer fans, welcome to the Beer District Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I'm joined with co-host Josh Waldock. I do some writing for Wisconsin Sports Heroics, and we both are contributors at Reviewing the Brew. Today, it is Wednesday, November 10th, as we are recording this. So we just found out who the reliever of the year was, so that's some exciting news from tonight. Some all-MLB team news came out, but yeah, otherwise, I think we're going to talk a little bit of free agents towards the end of this podcast, in particular in the infield. So that's what we got to look forward to on today's episode. Before we get to that, how are you doing tonight? You know, I'm doing great. Um, It was Scott Boris media day today, which is like if you are ever... Scott Boris would have made his English teacher proud in high school. I mean, this man is a poet with his words. Um, so it definitely made the, you know, kind of the low points of the offseason a little more fun. But, I mean, just listen to this poetic context. Um, responding to Sandy Alderson. Um, saying something dumb because he's on the Mets. So Boris's response was, quote, in the context of cards, aces and kings always beat queens, which is just like, I mean, poetic on so many levels. Like you got the New York in there. Like, I like to think that there's an intern at Boris Corp. That's just job is to write out these analogies because <laughs> he spits them out like and he's a modern day Shakespeare. But yeah, it's a award season. So we got that to look forward to, kind of a last little uh, smidge, or kind of the last little leftovers, the gravy, and, you know, mashed potatoes and gravy at Thanksgiving that you kind of scoop up with your bread before the the long off-seasons finally sets in. <laughs> See, here I would think you could be the intern for Scott Boris <laughs> with that poetic stuff right there. <laughs> I mean, look, Boris Corp, please hire me. I'm, uh, you know... Don't have a law degree or anything, but I'm pretty sure I can make my way up through law school. As we learned out last podcast, your DMs are open, so. They are. (laughs) (laughs) No sources yet, but, you know, anyone, offer still stands. (laughs) And apparently Boris has never played Sheephead. I don't know if you've ever played Sheephead, but Queens are the highest cards in Sheephead, which is like a northern Wisconsin game. Um it's I'm like not, Euchre on steroids. <laughs> I played Euchre. That's a little, uh, I'll be honest, I'm a little lost on Euchre, so I, I don't think I'd do well <laughs> on Sheep's heads. Yeah, no, Sheephead is Euchre on steroids, so yeah, the, <laughs> nope, get Euchre down first. So. Yeah, I'll uh, have to work on that. Yeah. Well, if you want to talk about aces of their position, I guess we could start Ooh, with Josh I Hader. I that segue. Oh, me too. So he wins his third NL reliever of the year. It's the Brewers' fourth consecutive time they've had a pitcher win the year or win the award. Obviously, Devin Williams got it last year. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think this was another great year for him, but I feel like many people just weren't talking about him as much this year. So I'm kind of surprised he did end up getting it, to be honest. I mean, he had arguably his best season, I think, ever and yeah i mean you're right like no one really like he just kind of was quietly dominant i mean a 123 era and just under 60 innings like again i think kind of he got kind of you know pigeoned back in the i think he kind of like pigeoned back in the ninth inning a one inning guy but he just kind of went in and did what he did i mean 
struck out 13 and a half batters per nine or no 15 15.6 batters per nine so i was looking at his postseason stats but yeah i mean just completely dominant almost i mean home runs obviously postseason aside i mean gave up less than half a homer per nine innings like he was just he was lethal on the mound i mean not much left to be said about him i mean he just He's had prolonged success at kind of a position that few players have lasting success on. Like, you know, soon we might be looking at making it the Josh Hader National League reliever of the year award. (laughs) Or the Brewers pitcher reliever of the year award. Either (laughs) one would be fitting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Bullpen strength has definitely been on display for the Brewers. (laughs) It certainly has. I thought it was really interesting that he made 60 appearances this year, which is only one less than his career high, um, which obviously kind of goes with the notion that we use him more of a closer this year, so he's able to appear in more games. Obviously, from an inning standpoint, you mentioned he was just under 60. I mean, in 2018, he pitched 81. In 2019, he pitched 75 innings. So that might have something to do with why everyone's just not talking about him as much, maybe because he's not – you know, the I don't even know. Was he the leader in strikeouts, like total strikeouts among relievers or anything like that? I know his K per nine ratio was great, but like maybe the total strikeout or the total strikeouts weren't there. I don't know. Yeah, that's something I honestly do not know. I mean, he, he clips 100 strikeouts. I think, honestly, I mean, kind of the allure, I guess, of maybe him coming into like the seventh or eighth inning maybe kind of made his outings a little less you know, memorable, but he was dominant. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's because he switched up his walking music, walking into Jay-Z this year. Like, I don't know, but yeah, he definitely was kind of, I think, an underappreciated, under-recognized talent for the Brewers this season. Yeah, so I'm glad for once national media got it right. So uh, (laughs) usually we're the ones begging them to give us an award, and here I was like, huh, he actually got it. I mean, I knew he pitched well, but I, I honestly, this year, was not expecting him to, to actually get it. So, kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess just racking my brain right now, it's not like I could really, um, I'm not like I'm thinking about, I guess, I'm trying to think of who, like, had prolonged success in the National League this year as from a reliever standpoint. I mean, just blank, I mean, just off the top of my head, I got Kimbrell was really good for half a season, but... He flipped over. Um, Edwin Diaz was all right. I don't know. It seemed like it was kind of like I I kind of flew under the radar for me. And and honestly, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised that Hater won it. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, like, if I go on baseball reference, I think this is probably the most obscure stat that I see. So they use ERA plus, you know, similar like how we use OPS <laughs> plus for pitchers and whatnot. His 2021 ERA plus was 348. His next best mark was 213. That was in 2017. So he just obliterated that total. In 2018, it was 168. 2019, 170. Last year in the shortened season, 122. So that is just an insane stat to look at. Yeah, he, I mean, and... You know, obviously, just even going through the Brewers, like their bullpen, or I mean, their kind of closer the last 10 years. I mean, Axford lasted for 
about two and a half seasons, and then Jim Henderson lasted for about a season and a half. Kate with K-Rod kind of sprinkled in, and um, I guess, you know, 2017, Hayter hadn't really assumed the role yet. That was more 2018, and it was kind of like Jeffress. But, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a... Um, I mean, he's been the, one of the best closers in the game for the past four... Well, the I'm just going to say it, the best reliever in baseball the last four seasons, or three of the last four, if you're going off of that award. So it's definitely, I mean, we're lucky to have him anchoring down the pen. Yep, pretty much a guaranteed lockdown win once he's in there or holding Unless the competition to the points. Hey, 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 too soon, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but Hater Hater should be up for, or he is a nominee for all MLB team, along with a lot of the other good Brewer pitchers. Devin Williams was nominated, and then obviously the three starters: Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. So it's nice to see all them getting it. No position players got there, which I know we were talking before we got on. We we're a little surprised that maybe Colton Wong didn't at least get nominated. Uh, but you know, I think all those guys got a. I did some looking around on it earlier. I think Peralta's and Williams, you know, maybe they get the sec. They do a second MLB All MLB award. Um, I think that's probably where they end up. I think the rest are clear candidates to be on the first team. So, yeah, um, I agree. Like, I think I'm if I'm remembering correctly, I think it's five and five for the first and second team for pitcher for starters. Um, I mean, Woodruff, I think is as close to a lock as there is. And obviously you can't have your Cy Young winner be second team. I mean, Corbin Burns, Cy Young finalist. Um, we have to wait about another week. I believe it comes out the 17th who the winner is him along with Scherzer and um, Zach Wheeler. Scherzer, I mean, Burns is the odds on betting favorite. He is minus one Oh five, which seems weird that doing betting lines when, Someone out there knows the results. That seems kind of weird, but it's like Burns is minus 105, Scherzer's like plus 125, and Wheeler's like plus 1,000. So if you're looking to make rent next month, maybe throw a couple, maybe throw some money on uh, on Wheeler. You know? You never know. <laughs> Not that we promote betting or gambling. No, though. gamble responsibly. <laughs> I have a problem one 800 gambler <laughs> and not financial advice. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that award's next week. Like you said, Manager of the Year is awarded next week as well, which Craig Council is nominated again. So I don't know if we're setting ourselves up for heartbreak there again or if this is going to be kind of what I call the Josh Hader situation of this year where, wow, he finally gets it. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. His competition is, you know, Gabe Kapler and the Giants who won 107 games and then Mike Schilt, who's no longer with the Cardinals. So <laughs> that's yeah. what he's going up against. It, um, You know, I think Kapler has it. I don't see a situation in which they don't give it to Kapler. I mean, you can debate how much of that was Kapler, how much of that was just players overperforming projections. But I don't know. Part of me, like, as much as it pains me to say it, I am kind of rooting that Schilt pulls it off, just so <laughs> just so there can be the fun nugget of back-to-back years, the manager of the year being canned by his team. Last year, Rick Renteria won it for the White Sox and was fired. Like, I, it's just a uh, 
like these awards are, you know, they're awards and all, but I just let's let's get nuts with it. Let's have a little little element of chaos in there. <laughs> Pretty soon, nobody's gonna want to win manager of the <laughs> year. It's just to be cursed. So. It'll be like the kiss of death. <laughs> yeah. So Craig Council, don't win it. You can keep getting nominated. Whatever. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I believe he's been nominated for. He was. I don't think he was nominated. He wasn't a finalist last year, but believe ever since 2017 he's been a finalist i can't Maybe. recall 2017 yeah but definitely 18 and 19 you know this year yeah it's i mean it's been a long just like hater a long sustained run of being a finalist and well deserved on both part both with hater and council agreed i agree and we mentioned colton wong earlier he got snubbed of a gold glove was going for the three-peat and then his the Cardinals second baseman who took over a spot, Tommy Edmond ended up getting it. So a little unfortunate there. Um, I don't know. Maybe sample size had a little bit of deal with um, Wong not getting it this year being he had those two oblique injuries and missed a, a fair amount of time. That's really about the only thing I can really boil it, boil it down to. Yeah. Um, I'd agree. I think that, you know, Wong, I guess I didn't did you know, dive deeply into the metrics. Um, defensive metrics are still kind of a little or quite variable and, you know, certain metrics favor players more than others. But, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine sample size has something to do with that. I mean, Edmund, you know, no disrespect to him. He's a solid second baseman. But I think if Wong had been able to play, say, 130 or 140 games, I think he would have been a – I think he, he would have won it. I agree. Sample size definitely – factored into that yeah hopefully hopefully he gets it next year uh, either way he's going to put up near gold glover caliber defense so <laughs> i'll be happy with whatever he, he puts out for us there uh but yeah as long as we're on the notion of infield uh that's kind of where we wanted to start with some free agent talk this week just looking at some free agents out there who's available if we are able to sign them or if we are not uh, so, you know, I guess when I started looking at all the infields, free agents, my first thought was, holy cow, this is a loaded shortstop class, which mm-hmm. kind of sucks because we don't need a shortstop unless you're going to convert one of them to play another position. Uh, but then my other thought was, well, how big of a need do we have in the infields? Colton Wong, lockdown at, sh- at second base. Adamas should be a lockdown at shortstop. I'm all for putting Urias every day at third baseman, so... Really, in that mind, that kind of leaves first base. <laughs> so I could see us going with a third baseman. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do at either one of those corner uh, infield spots because we have guys. It's just what are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm glad that David Stearns endorsed my notion that I wrote an article back in December of 2020 saying, is Larry serious the third baseman of the future. So glad he and I are in the same wavelength. Maybe you should hire me. Um, Just throwing that out there. But yeah, I agree that, I mean, from a standpoint of strictly on paper, the infield is kind of one of the positions where the Brewers only have one glaring hole at first base. I mean, and even that's not glaring, glaring. I mean, you have Rowdy Telez, you have Vogelback, you have Keston Hira. You would think some combination of those three would be able to 
perform at an, an adequate level for the Brewers going forward. But I don't know. It's definitely like I think the infield is definitely an interesting spot. Like I agree that Arias should be a third baseman. Um, obviously Wong is locked down for at least this season. He has a club option for 2023. Adamas is Adamas and Arias are both under club control until I believe 2026. So yeah, I mean I know Stearns kind of flo- floated the idea. Or not float to the idea, but he said that they'd be open to bringing Escobar back. But, I don't know, it seems like kind of the free agent class, like, honestly, when I was flipping through it, like, lots of top class names. But after you get kind of through the the peak, it kind of, I feel like, falls off pretty quickly, in my opinion. I don't know if you felt kind of the same way. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that assessment as well, too. I mean, there's a lot of guys who are going to be out of the Brewers reach <laughs> which mm-hmm. we can get into some of those names in a second and you know unfortunately I think Eduardo Escobar might fall into that same category because I mean if you want to treat him like a third base free agent that's his was his primary position um, obviously he played first base for the first time with us a little bit um, you know so we if we wanted to bring him back to play first base I'm sure that could work out um, but you know the top couple third basemen you got Kyle Seeger, Chris Bryant and then Eduardo Escobar. So, you know, if the first two go off the off the table there, Eduardo Escobar is probably going to find a a pretty good contract from a team, you know, whether he rejoins the Twins, goes back to the Diamondbacks or goes in a completely different direction. Um it's definitely going to be a lot more I think than what is what was he 8 million per year I think. Something along was. I believe so. Yeah. He's entering his age 33 season. I mean, defensive flexibility and a solid bat who could kind of transition to a DH in the later years. I mean, he's, I think, could pretty easily command a three-, four-year deal with, you know, anywhere from 10 to $12 million. I mean, granted, that's based on just my gut feeling, and obviously the market hasn't been set for this offseason yet. We'll see kind of what happens with the CBA if the qualifying offers that have been accepted or anything, it seems like a team, both sides, the both like the ownership and the players kind of feel like they are going to have more, like come out on top of the CBA. So that's kind of an interesting dichotomy to watch, but I don't know. I mean, the market hasn't been set yet, but yeah, Escobar could be a guy who might end up just falling out of the Brewers range as kind of being one of the more, I guess, premier free agents. Yeah. I mean, especially yeah, if you look at it from a, just a strictly third base standpoint, I obviously mentioned the versatility a little bit, but Chris Bryant, I think is going to fall out of our range. Kyle Seeger is going to fall out of her, our range. I know there's always been so many rumors, <laughs> Kyle Seeger coming to the Brewers. Oh, Heck, sw- ever since like the Brewers started looking remotely competitive, it's, it's always like, <laughs> Kyle Seeger, the perfect Milwaukee Brewer, like, it seems like he's kind of a, it seemed like he's a brewer in waiting almost. (laughs) Yeah, you got that friendly connection with the Mariners that we love. They were like, (laughs) yo, it's going to happen, but (laughs) to date it hasn't. But, I mean, he had an interesting season. His batting average was down a lot more compared to normal. 212 was this year, normally hovers somewhere 
uh, around that 240, 250-ish range on a good year up near 260. His strikeout totals were up, but he was just damn as productive, 35 homers, 101 RBIs. So uh, he's going to get some money somewhere. Yeah, I mean, especially, you know, teams that miss out on Chris Bryant, who's probably, I mean, just the peak for, I mean, just positional versatility. I mean, third base, he plays the outfield. I believe he's seen some time at first base. Like, if the Brewers had unlimited, you know, if the Mark was like, hey, let's open up the checkbook, money's not a problem, we'll run $200 million if we want to. Chris Bryant would be like the guy you circle and like need because he kind of does everything and every and just fits into what the Brewers are looking for with positional versatility and just all around flexibility. Right. I feel like that's the way the Brewers are going to go. If they sign someone in the infield, it's going to be someone who just kind of roams around. And, you know, obviously they'll, they'll probably have Jace Peterson back next year to kind of fill that void but that's just what the brewers do and i think it's funny we're talking about chris bryant and like you know fitting all the needs that we want and can do and then you talk about that other former cub anthony rizzo's a free agent this offseason and you know for a cub player or former cub player excuse me now he was one of the guys who's hard to hate um and now that he's a, a free agent i don't know what do you think about bringing him in and play first base i mean you know, the I mean, first base has just been a wide-open carousel for the last decade. I mean, God, I don't even think I could name every opening day first baseman since Prince Fielder left. Like, I don't think I would be able to. But, yeah, I mean, he could provide some stability there. Obviously a good guy. I mean, was... Uh, no, he was not the Cubs, I don't know, the captainship is a weird thing to me, I don't entirely understand it, but he was kind of the leader of the Cubs for the better part of a decade, I mean, has some familiarity with the Central, I would definitely be open to it, I mean, he, the Yankees, I think, like him, so that could actually, you know, nuke Voigt in a trade if we wanted to, you know, kind of throw that around. But, yeah, he's a guy I'd be interested in. I mean, Freddie Freeman, top of the class, like, come on, man. Like, we can dream, right? (laughs) Yeah, I can't foresee a a future where Freddie Freeman leaves the Braves, but who knows? (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm blanking on who. I think it might have been either Heyman or the MLB Trade Rumors crew. One of them said... or like predicted Brandon Belko in Milwaukee, and he's a guy I'm interested in. I mean, a lefty power bat would you know slot in nicely at Amfam Field, especially much more than Oracle or whatever the San Francisco Park is called now. Yeah, Brandon Belt's interesting because obviously he had a great phenomenal year, and the Giants offered him or gave him the qualifying offer, so mm-hmm. yeah, we're awaiting the results of that there. Um, but I was looking up, like, uh, the boys on Talking Baseball are talking about, you know, when you're 34 years old and Brandon Belt's already made $87 million throughout his career, they're like, you know, at this point, does he just take the 18 mil if he's content playing another year with the Giants, you know, where he's established all that year, you know, 
or all this time. That kind of makes sense. Um, man, I would love to see him leave there and come to us. I, <laughs> that'd be great because similar kind of how we were talking about just how all these positions drop off. I mean, it's Freeman, Belt, Rizzo, and then after that, there's not a lot of good first base options left. So those are the three that you're, you know, the, they're uh, tier A. Those are the guys that you want, those three. Yeah, I mean, you know, Travis Shaw is out there. I don't, you know, I find it difficult to imagine he'd want to come back a third time with the Brewers. But, yeah, I mean, it really, like, the drop-off is staggering. I mean, Mitch Moreland is a guy out there, but it's – those are kind of the three guys on the trade mar- – I mean, the free agent market. Sorry, I'm just taking it back. I mean, I was looking at Brandon Belt's page. His middle – like, his middle name is Kyle, but his nickname is Bob. It's a little – it's throwing me off a little, not going to lie. But, yeah. And then that does, you know, we could pivot to the trade market, you know. Maybe a uh, first baseman at a team on the West Coast that's a little uninterested in competing right now, you know. Maybe his name's Matt. Maybe interested in coming over to Milwaukee in a trade. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because <laughs> we we floated those rumors around and speculations on an earlier podcast, so make sure you check that out, but... Then there was some leaked information that they are indeed going to sell. So both Matts, uh, Olsen and Chapman, probably could be on the move. And Olsen's their biggest trade piece. So, you know, he's going to demand a lot. But, you know, it's interesting because, you know, for a team where we have our core intact, we talked about the revolving door at first base and just wanting some stability. Well, hell, Olsen, even though he's under, only under club control for two more years, we're in the middle of a, a really good contention window with these young pitchers and just know that we're going to have them there for two years. I think that would just go a long ways. <laughs> is one less thing we have to worry about. And we know we're getting a hell of a bat in return. Yeah. I mean, obviously I, I don't remember entirely what my proposal was, but realistically you're going to have to give up a couple top. I mean, you're probably going to have to give up, um, Either Bryce Terang, Garrett Mitchell, one of those two. One of the three kind of top pitching prospects, so Ethan Small, Aaron Ashby, or um, Antone Kelly. One of the, I think one of those three. Um, another prospect, and then probably a young major league talent, so probably someone like Keston Hira. But I think an offer like that would at least be something that, you know, the A's wouldn't laugh and hang up the phone right away. But obviously, it's a lot of prospects to give up for a guy with two years. But also, other teams have gone out and done that. I mean, we saw what happened with Goldschmidt, that acquisition. So, I don't know. Lots of things for Stearns and company to think about because they're staying in Milwaukee and not going to New York. <laughs> Yeah, I saw a lot of speculation that people thought Olsen was going to go to New York, not the Mets, the Yankees, the other <laughs> team in New York, um, which, man, just to have a lefty bat in that short right field corner is, is kind of scary. He, I mean, he put up some gaudy numbers. Jeez. Put them, at, put Olsen and uh, Gallo in the same lineup, and with Judge and Stanton, 
hitting 400 homers. Bronx Bombers, man. Yep, that's <laughs> what they do. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, we're obviously talking a lot about first base here. Is it is it kind of fair to say that we're not fully on board with Rowdy Telez or Dan Vogelbach next year? I mean, Vogelbach, he was essentially pretty close to an everyday first baseman in 2019. Uh, Rowdy Telez has never been, you know, the everyday guy. He did well as the, we'll call it, quote-unquote, short-term everyday guy this year in the less than 60 games he played. Had a 116 OPS plus, was our, probably our best hitter in the playoffs, and came through with a lot of good clutch hits. Um, but we don't know what that looks like over, you know, a 500 at, or plate appearance season. How How is he going to hold up throughout that? Um, that? That's kind of the weird part for me. Either way, I think he's worth hanging on to. You know, if there's a DH next year, you at least have that. Or if you sign someone else at first base, him coming off the bench late in games, that that's a guy you don't want to see. So uh, I don't know. I I think I'd be okay if we went into the 2022 season with Rowdy Telez at first base, um, but I would like to see us upgrade if possible. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, Telez was – Great for the Brewers. I'm actually working on report cards for them, and I gave him a B plus. I mean, I think he, I mean, obviously a short sample size. He was with Milwaukee for less than half a season, but he looked good. I mean, he missed most of September with his uh, patella injury, but I am a little skeptical to have him play first base in a non-platoon role. I think that that's kind of a valid concern. I think that's a concern I have with Vogelback and Telez both. I think that they aren't got. I mean, with their splits, you know, they aren't guys who are going to hit lefties at the same ferocity they hit righties. So I think that while I wouldn't be, I guess like I would rather have um, Vogelback or Telez in the lineup than say. Alex Gonzalez or Uni Betancourt or God, who else did we roll out? Uh, I guess Justin Smoke. But I think if the Brewers were to pursue upgrades, I would not be opposed to that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. The the long-term splits, you know, playing against lefties concerns me as well, too. But then I can contraindicate myself as Rowdy Telez has a higher batting average against lefties and righties throughout his career. But in like a, what am I looking at here? Like a third of the sample size, if that. So um, 264 against lefties, 241 against righties. Kind of interesting there. Um, but yeah, over, you know, over a long period of time, you don't know exactly what that looks like and obviously we, he's a big guy we saw him get oh, hurt yeah. this year and how how would he hold up over a long 162 game season we don't know either yeah i mean lots of different factors for the brewers to focus on i mean i know vogelback has no options remaining so he's kind of on the roster or they cut him he's a guy that i think could be a non-tender candidate. Um, if it, I don't see the Brewers carrying both Vogelback and Telez for a full 162 season, so I think you're going to have to pick one or the other. And at this point, I think the Brewers lean Telez because he has options. 
I would agree. I actually did an article, too, about trade candidates, and I put Vogelbach on there just so we could, because he's a non-tender candidate, at least get some value out of him, you know, rather than just let him walk. <laughs> you know, similar to what we did with Knable last year, you know you're not going to keep him and just trade him away for a prospect, get someone in return, because Vogelbach's not going to, you know, clear waivers without somebody picking him up. There is a team that will probably be interested in him and, and claim him. So Yeah, I, think I mean— Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just gonna say, I think it's worth worth a trade, probably, or at least exploring that avenue. Yeah, I mean, obviously, all stars aren't everything, but former all star back in 2019. I mean, just an elite pitch recognition, like elite eye, elite just ability to, um, you know, determine balls and strikes. Like he's a guy that I think team. I mean, teams would be more than willing to try to to try to help capitalize on the talent he has because he is a talented guy. It's not like he's a fringe guy. I mean, he has the tools, just having a team who can put him in a position to actualize that, I think, is what he needs. Right. And that's probably somewhere in the American League would be my guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, interesting stuff there. Anyway, lots to think about. Um, was there any shortstops on the list that you saw where you're like, ooh, maybe we could convert him over to third base? I know there's lots of rumors like maybe we should have acquired Story at last year's trade deadline and did that. Um, obviously, Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, the other top two free agent shortstops. Then there's kind of a tier two in like Baez, Iglesias, Freddie Galvis. Um, so I don't know. What were your thoughts on, on those guys? Would any of them work at all or not really? I mean, I would – you know, do some things that probably are illegal to have Carlos Correa on the Brewers. Like he's a, like I'm talking, like I'm talking, like you know, actually no, I'm not gonna admit to anything because hypothetically, theoretically, robbing a bank. <laughs> hypothetically, I'm not condoning that. Please don't rob any banks. If you have any thoughts of robbing a bank, don't. It's not go all minority report, but like obviously, you know, you can dream about having Carlos Correa on the Brewers. You know, Adamas shifts over somewhere, we find a place for him, and we have the best shortstop in baseball for three or four years. But one, I mean, I think honestly, Chris Taylor is a guy that the more I was looking at, the more I liked. I mean, he's kind of a, I mean, Swiss Army knife, I guess. He played. Everywhere for the I played all four infield positions I believe this year, played some outfield for the Dodgers. I mean, he I think is kind of a he's a guy that's going to command. I mean, with the qualifying offer you're looking at probably at least 18 million or a longer term like deal with like a similar with a comparable AAV. But I don't think the Brewers would bring him in, but he's a guy that I could definitely see fitting the Brewers mold of multi-positionals, you know, kind of a guy who doesn't have a set position, almost kind of like with what Urias was for a chunk of the year where it's kind of a, Oh, you know, we need Escar needs a day off. We'll throw him in, you know, where you end up with 500 or so plate appearances, but not really a singular position you're playing every day. I'm really glad you mentioned Chris Taylor. I was wondering if you were going to or not. Because <laughs> I was thinking about this all day, too. I'm like, Chris Taylor. I mean, that'd be, I mean, think about it. 
like the third Dodger in recent memory that the Brewers have had, you know, if they would go after him, had strong interest in. We took Yasmani Grandal <laughs> off free from the Dodgers. There was serious interest in Justin Turner last year. Um, for some reason, I don't know if it's just like Stearns wants to bring these guys in and like get some insight or something, but I would not be surprised one bit <laughs> if we hear lots of rumors about Chris Taylor to the Brewers. And like you said, he fits the molds. The guy comes up clutch every postseason for the Dodgers. He knows how to perform when the lights are at their brightest. So Three homers this in one game this year. Yeah, it, he's insane. I mean, and he does. He's he's just a ball player. He's a dude. He's someone you want out there, and he could definitely help this team. Um, just like you said, he was offered or he was given the qualifying offer. So I don't know what kind of a deal he's going to be looking for if he wants to leave LA or not. Um, but he's not like the first guy you think of. Like, oh, let's go sign him out to a you know eighteen to twenty million dollar deal. Uh, for a couple of seasons. Um, but then again, maybe maybe it's similar to what we did with Yaz. You just, you know, give him 18, 19 mil on a one more year deal, and, and then he just goes his separate way after that. Because what is he? He's 31. Oh, maybe yeah. not. That might not work. He might no. be looking for his last contract. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, first-time All-Star. But I guess one of the things, like, you know, obviously there's kind of a uh, – you know, as I was digging a little deeper, like, I was looking and, you know, he reminds me of Luis Arias in a way with kind of just his numbers. I mean, obviously about 20 homers, the batting average in the 250-ish range. Oh, I mean, the OPS was 782. Luis Arias was 783. OPS plus of 110. Arias was 111. Like, kind of something along that like it seems like Chris Taylor is kind of the player almost that the Brewers are banking on Arias to be so there is kind of that little wrench in there I mean I guess why like you know why pay someone figure 18 million when you can get comparable production out of Luis Arias for a fifth of that or six of that depending on what arbitration gives to him but so that was just kind of one of the things that I, you know, because he was a name that I instantly gravitated towards, but that's just another consideration because the Brewers might be playing it cheap this offseason. They might not. We we don't entirely know. Yeah, we really don't know. I mean, a lot of people have the speculation that, oh, because we didn't, we're not going to re-sign Avisil Garcia. We uh, you know, got all this money to reallocate to other places, but as we've talked about earlier, there's a lot of players due for pay raises and the payroll estimated payroll entering for next year without any free agent signings is already pretty high. I believe it's right around the hundred mil mark or maybe it's just slightly over. So there's not a lot of wiggle room there. Um, you know, unless they open up a little bit, which in that case you're looking at maybe one kind of a splash free agent signing that that's really about it. So they're going to have to choose carefully. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things the Brewers have going for them is they don't need to maybe not waste their time, but they don't need to look at starting pitching upgrades. I mean, you know, they don't have to worry about or they don't have to kind of entertain the possibility of bringing in a guy like Stroman or, you know, obviously I'm sure Stearns will do his homework on starting pitching, but it's not like he's going to be going to the winter meetings or 
going throughout January and kind of calling up starting pitchers. The bullpen has a way of settling itself out with the Brewers. Their pit, their um, talent recognition is off the chart. So really, they do. They just need to take the however much money that they are able to spend and put it into upgrading the offense. So that is kind of a added bonus that they didn't necessarily have last last year or really any point in recent memory of having kind of pitching just all squared away. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, it kind of fits in as we're talking about strictly infielders here this week or in Chris Taylor's uh, case, kind of a little bit of everything. Um, we mentioned that, you know, outside of this deep shortstop class, the there's a huge drop off in the, the infielders, at least from a good offensive productive standpoint. So, you know, are they going to be able to snag one of those guys at first or third base? I don't know. My hunch tells me no, unless, you know, a trade comes up. Um, but, you know, other place to look, you know, would be the outfield, which will crowd it again. So uh, that might be what we talk about on the next podcast. <laughs> but that is an interesting thing to think about because we need to upgrade the offense. It's just how are we going to upgrade it? Yeah. I mean, obviously the Brewers, I mean, I trust the front office. I trust Craig Council, David Stearns, Matt Arnold to build an effective or a roster that effectively brings out the best in players. Um, but yeah, you know, unfortunately you can only have eight play. You can only have eight position players and a pitcher on the mound at one time. No matter all the different configurations Craig Council can dream up with, he has to only have eight players on at a time. But that's kind of going to be one of the things. I mean, and heck, they might target kind of depth pieces throughout. I mean, I know we talked about kind of the fall off, but, you know, they might bring in veteran guys like Joe Panic or Donovan Solano as kind of guys who they could convert to multi-positional players hell Todd Frazier is out there he was a guy who seemed like the Brewers were linked to like felt like 2015 through 2018 it was like every offseason the Brewers were linked to him yeah Todd Frazier man I've lost track of the number of teams he's played for now like the Mets the Rangers Reds uh, Reds yep (laughs) I think he, he had a couple of stint, I think he had a couple of stints with the Mets. Like he, it's he seemed like he bounced around. But yeah, I don't know. You know, I trust the Brewers are going to find ways. Like, I don't think they're. I don't think they need to go out and sign a, you know, make a big splash in order to um, effectively improve the the team. If that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, I would agree. Although it would be nice. That's a good way to leave it. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, I think that will do it for us here today. That's kind of our deep dive at the infielders. Um, Sorry, I already chose for us. We're going to do outfielders next week. So I guess that's the way we're going. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll do some research on all that. And, you know, unless some major news happens in between there, that'll be next week's podcast. So we'll Look forward to talking brewers with you again then. Have a good one.